And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with yet another topic that I'm hoping is going to make your day. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit that I'm not a gamer. And at one point, that might have left me in the majority crowd. However, I no longer feel that way. Esports, gaming, everything virtual, it's really taken off. We've done episodes in the past to talk about this. We've talked about high school esports leagues, esports supplies. And today, we're going to talk about what it takes to be a gamerpreneur. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I do need to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I have Bradford Carlton, who is the gamerpreneur. He's also the host of the Gamerpreneur podcast, which sh- which features streamers, esports players, and gamers, and talks about how to use basic sales and marketing tools to make a buck playing games. Bradford, what's up? Uh, not too much. It's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? Well, I'm here in Kansas City, and it may rain, but last time I was in Vegas, it certainly did not. So I can't tell you, remember, last um, time I remember seeing rain. <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt about that. So the gamerpreneur, that's you, huh? That's the uh, domain I was able to get, actually. I was going to go for uh, just gamerpreneur. I looked it up on GoDaddy. I went and like, talked it with my wife, came back, and GoDaddy had bought my domain from me. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I went with the gamerpreneur yeah. instead. Well, there you go. Now, if we were watching the social network, I think Justin Timberlake would tell you to get rid of the the, but uh, I hear you on that now. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's start with what is what in your a gamerpreneur, like that is actually, if you came up to me and just said, Hey, DeCourcy, what's gamerpreneur? I would say it's an entrepreneur that does gaming. So it's, it's definable and it, and that, and it's a word. Well, it is now cause we're using it, but what is a gamerpreneur and like, you know, how did you, with your podcast, with all the stuff that you're doing, like what's the backstory that brought you up to being the gamerpreneur? So, well, I used to be an attorney. So here I am going, you know, objection, compound question. Cause you just asked me a bunch of things at once. So <laughs> I, um, well, I grew up being a gamer, like, right. I, um, I, my parents lived two hours away from where they worked. So they had a two hour commute to work, eight hours at work, two hours back. I basically never saw my parents growing up. So I was a babysitter my entire childhood. And it just so happens a lot of my babysitters had gaming systems, you know, this is the original Nintendo entertainment system. That's where I got my start. And before I even remember playing games, I was playing games. Right. So I just, I was a typical like nerdy gamer my entire life. I was that kid who had the the Game Boy and the trading cable at lunch with his friends like cloistered together all hunched over like ignoring everybody else. And that more or less continued all the way through college. And 
And then I went to law school. And in law school, my very first day, you have orientation. They brought in the biggest, scariest looking professor they had. And he points his big old finger at us and goes, you're no longer children anymore. You're not allowed to play video games. You're not allowed to say dude. And I'm a California boy. So like all I did was say dude and play video games, right? <laughs> so, but I drank the Kool-Aid like, okay, I guess I'll be an attorney. I'll do that thing. And, um, you know, fast forward, I graduated law school, top 10 in my class. I went into um, worked for a court, and within seven months of joining the court, I was made court administrator. So I was the bailiff, staff attorney, court administrator for a county court. I had eight staff members who reported to me. I reported to the judge. Like, cool, but I'm working my butt off. I have no time to play games anymore. It's like life seemed kind of miserable to me. I went into private practice, and then in private practice, I was made partner after seven months. I was a 27-year-old law partner at a 28-year-old law practice. And I wrote the literal book on elder law. Like I full went in on being this attorney thing, working 16, 18 hour days every day. I was made partner because I was just good at selling. And, I, and we're not taught as attorneys how to sell. We're taught how to learn the law, how to teach other people law, how to argue the law. But to sell is like something different. And for me, it was just you ask for money. Like at the end of the meeting, you just ask for money. So I didn't think I was doing anything special. But it wasn't until I left that practice, started my own law practice with my wife, that I finally realized what it meant to be an entrepreneur. But again, here I am working 16, 18, 20 hour days every single day just to be able to pull our, enough money in to survive. And it wasn't until I moved to Las Vegas about two years ago when I um, joined with a consulting firm. I um, had been doing business law. It was kind of a natural fit to get out of the law because I, I had no intention of doing law when I moved to Las Vegas. Like being a lawyer sucks. You're, it's no all the time. You always tell people no, you're a wet blanket. So I'm at this consulting firm and I've got clients, I've got the money, I got the house, I got the wife, I got the American dream, right? I, I have everything you ever want as an entrepreneur. And I woke up one morning, I wasn't happy. So I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like I have it, right? Like, what am I supposed to do? So I went to my coach and I'm like, here's my life story. What do I do? And he goes, okay, if you had to describe your best friends in one word, what would you say? Okay, when I was two, she was a gamer. When I was in middle school, he was a gamer. When I was in law school, he was a gamer. They're all gamers. He's like, well, then you probably should be working with gamers because those people get along with. I'm like, oh, okay, duh, I guess. So here I am. So how do I, I have, do that? Right. right, I have this business law experience. I've got this consulting experience, but I haven't been in the gaming industry. I'm, I've nowhere touched the gaming industry in my entire background. So I just go over to Twitch, you know, owned by Amazon. And I, I watch some streamers and I just start reaching out to people. I'm like, hey, I'm a consultant. I've helped people build their businesses. I see you have like no idea what you're doing on sales and marketing. You're just kind of playing games. I can show you how to make money. Here's my resume. Here's all the clients I've helped. Here's like all the testimonials. Here's everything. And the only question I got back was, well, how many followers do you have? I'm like, wait, you, I don't think you understand what's going on here. Uh, but I got enough of that feedback that I'm like, shoot, I guess I need to play their game in order to get in with this community. And so I started my podcast and uh, to answer your question, what, how do I define gamerpreneur? I don't define it as somebody who is in the gaming space or doing business in the gaming space. I define it as anybody who is a gamer who wants to be an entrepreneur. Because as I've gotten into this industry, I've realized it's like this completely overlooked niche. Absolutely no one in the gaming space seems to understand business, marketing, or sales to like any real extent. And it's just so fascinating to me. Like you have these giant companies, these publishing companies making these games, sitting on email lists with millions of people on them. They don't monetize them. 
doing nothing. Yeah. yeah, V-Sports teams. Basically, every sports team on the planet is losing money. There's only a handful, maybe five at most, making any money. But there's millions of dollars being dumped into the industry. Video games are the largest entertainment industry in the world. It's bigger than movies. It's bigger than television. So there's just yeah, so and, much know, room been, for growth I, here. Yeah, and I'm I'm so fascinated with this industry. And you know, I once again, I I'm I'm a I'm not a gamer, but I was. You know, I grew up, and and I'm 45 years old. I point that out maybe too much because I feel like I'm getting old, but I'm still young. Um, I'm the guy walking around with the article that says that the the most successful entrepreneurs and founders are in their mid 40s. So yeah, I'm hanging on to that at this point. But you know, you talk about the original Nintendo NES. So uh, I'm old enough to have had Atari. Um, that's where it started for me, playing Miss Pac-Man and Pitfall, Decathlon, stuff like that, a joystick with a single button. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal when Mario came out, and we spent a lot of time doing that. I think my dad was addicted to Tetris. He still might be. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, games got a little more complex. We moved up, and, you know, I kind of lost interest at some point, but I remember saying to a lot of my friends who were still into it. And this is like when, you know, PlayStation's coming out, Call of Duty, stuff like that. And it's like, you know, watching people I know invest five, six, 12 hours a day into playing games. And, you know, everyone's saying, man, if I could only make a living doing this, it would be pretty cool. Now, with that, back then, that wasn't really a, a realistic possibility. But now it seems to be from and I mentioned earlier, we've had a couple episodes, we've had the high school esports league on, uh, we've had esports supplies, which uh, that's Jake Zen, and he he works for a company that outfits places that set up uh, gaming, anythings. So if you're a gamerpreneur and you want to make money in the esports industry, where, where does some, what, like, what are some of the more common options or things And it can even be small, but like, if I said, I said, Bradford, give me five ways, three to five ways that I can be an entrepreneur in the gaming space. What, where does that start? So most people's minds go immediately to playing the games, right? Like, oh, I could just pick up my controller and play the game. That's actually a horribly difficult way of doing it. Like the the time frame that you have to be any good at esports is ridiculously small. It's basically age 12 to 22. If you're past 22, your reflexes are too slow to be any good at it. So, okay, Is that well, true? yeah, it's it's worse than oh, most wow. athletes. Okay. So, okay, yeah, but then how do you get in? Like, you play games, you go to tournaments, you work your way up, but there's how many millions of other kids out there playing too? So, best of luck on that one. My my opinion on this is you go into the the business side, you you supply the sports, you do marketing, you do management, you do event prep. Those like accounting, you'd, I mean, anything related to business, it's an industry that's completely fledgling. It's only really been around the past 10 years, and it's more or less completely ignored by general society. Like no one sees these gamers as anything more than, you know, quote, gamers. I, I um, say the mission of my show is to dispel the myth of the lazy, unmotivated basement dweller. Because I think a lot of people still think, oh, you're a gamer. But for some reason, people are cool with people binge watching Netflix for four days straight. <laughs> How's there really a difference there? It's, it's in my opinion, it's just a hobby that we have, and I think gaming is a fantastic hobby because you're learning real life skills, you're learning persistence, you're learning problem solving and team communication, like budget management, depending on the type of game you're playing. Um, as for your specific question, what kinds of jobs? Um, 
coaching is a good one. I mean, that one, so long as you have some experience playing the game yourself, you can be a coach. Um, otherwise, so think it, of is your that business. Just like, is that just like a piano or a guitar teacher? I mean, are you teaching lessons? Like, this is how you play World of Warcraft or... And I'm going to be way off on the games. Like, that's so I don't good. know if that's one of them, but if you're, if you're a coach, is that what you're doing? Cause that's like one type if of I coach. want my, if I want my, if I want my daughter to take piano lessons, I, I mean, that's technically a piano coach. It's a teacher, but is that how, is that the coaching side of it? It's, you know, really try to compare it more towards, you know, traditional athletics. There's more than one type of coach. Yeah. Like in golf, you have a swing coach, but you also have a mindset coach. Right. You have other types of coaches that show you. Sure. So you can have someone who does show you how to play your particular game or particular class or whatever it is in the game. But you might also have your mindset coach. You may have a, um, a tech setup coach who can show you how to optimize your equipment. So that it's right. the sky is the limit. I, the way I, I like to talk to any entrepreneur looking at this space is take your business model and just Plug it in here because it's it's a completely blue ocean if you understand that you know that reference. I, I have I want to back up a little bit because we breezed past the actual possible monetization of playing the games. Now you can talk to me as if I was a five year old or maybe even a Labrador retriever. Um, so let's say I am twelve to twenty two or I'm just really good at game at gaming. How do you actually make money playing? Is that through tournaments and competitions or is it through something different? So tournaments and competitions are one method. That's simply you're decent at the game, you find where a competition's being held. It's usually like a local game store to start. And then you have you know larger competitions like DreamHack and, and PAX, right? They have large big stage competitions. Um, where there's more dollars on the line, but the, the dollars on the line are never all that, like, in my opinion, all that impressive. Like I can get one client that pays me that much, right? Why would I go through years and years of hardship in order to get that? Um, you could do it through, you know, actual, like they call it monetization on the platforms, which is where you have reached a certain number of followers and viewers and the platform will pay you to run ads during your stream or during your content. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, a lot of them will sell. Yeah, now is, is, is that as, is that as simple and straightforward as like Google AdSense where you can have like a plugin per se and it shows ads? I mean, do they make it that simple or do you have to actually be approached, negotiate, do a contract, like a whole lot of other stuff that probably feels weird and daunting to a 15 year old? So no, um, most platforms have some sort of subscriber or follower or view count requirement you have to reach before you're allowed to be monetized. So sure. for YouTube, it's a thousand when, when subscribers. When you, when you 4, hit that, hours can you plug it in? There's, there's so no plug in, it's, 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 it's automatic. You, 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 um, in the oh, back end, they're like, okay, okay. You click a checkbox on your YouTube videos to monetize okay. this video. Um, on so, so Twitch, that is, it's, that is it's automatic. That is yeah. simple and sure. And there's different, okay, sure. there's okay. different tiers depending on the platform you're on. Like on Twitch, there's affiliate where you have to have like 12 hours played, three, three concurrent viewers average. Um, but then they have a partner level, level, which is 75 viewers, which is fairly difficult to get. To get 75 people to watch you on average over a period of time is, is actually pretty difficult, especially when you're starting. Um, so my approach is I don't stream. I, I am gonna plan on streaming soon, but like I wanted to build my audience first because that was like the, the objection I got up front, right? How many followers do you have? Well, let me show you how to build a following without even playing video games. So here I am. Um, I, I like the merch 
method, like, right? Like I'm a, I'm a sales guy. I teach people how to do sales. I want to sell merchandise courses, courses, info products. And um, that's something that's not, not too many people are doing in this space. Um, they understand that they can sell merch. They have t-shirts, they got mugs, but it's the same mug everybody gets from like Teespring or Teepublic. There's, there's not much variety in the space and it's, it's all opportunity. Okay. So you, so were those the, are those the, you mentioned some other things too. You talked about like accounting, some other stuff. What are other ways that, that the industry is creating jobs or monetizing? Do we leave anything out? Oh, um, well, I mean, it's, I mean, things that, things that are within reach to the normal human. Cause you know, when I think about some of it too, like just, I would think like, I mean, you could obviously work, potentially work. For, I would imagine the, the application stack for people trying to work for any of the gaming companies is probably pretty tall. Um, which, which usually relates to not being a high income because if you're easily replaceable, then it's like, it's like the same thing. Like I know people that are on TV and radio and I'm like, how often do people ask you if you make a bunch of money? And they're like more than, more than you would think. And, and, you know, you say, do you make a lot of money? They're like, hell no. I'm like very replaceable. And they know it, you know, cause there's tons of people that would line up to be on the radio every day. Sure. I mean, how many graphic designers out there, how many code monkeys just willing to type on a computer? Cause I mean, my, my generation, the millennial generation was basically told you need to learn how to program. Right. Uh, especially okay. the younger people, younger than I am, 33, they were told they have to learn how to program because that's the next language you need to know. Well, now everybody knows how to program, so you're easily replaceable. Um, so your questions, I I don't actually approach. But by the way, I, I disagree with I disagree with that. I disagree with the the coding part and being easily easily replaceable. I mentioned at the top of the show, FullScale.io. That's the company I own with my often host uh, Matt Watson. The, so we've grown to have 200 employees in less than two years. The reason is is so what we do is we help people build software development teams in our office in the Philippines. Why the Philippines? Because they actually have a shitload of programmers there. And here in the US, there's about 400,000 open jobs. Now, depending on what level of skill you're looking for, it's easy to find people that have no experience. Um, those are uh, quite, quite plentiful in many places. But when you want to find people that have five, 10 years of experience or more, it's very difficult because you can't make them faster. Uh, so, you know, there's only so many people in the bucket. So the problem is, is, is you just end up moving them from one bucket to the next, to the next, to the next. And then in some cases like has happened in California, and I think COVID and people are migrating away from the Silicon Valley a little bit more because we're embracing remote work. Um, you know, then they start competing for the local talent and it be, turns into a bidding war, which is great for the seller, not so much for the buyer. So now it depends on what you're looking for because some things are quite plentiful and some aren't, but yeah. So it's kind of, you know, and yeah, I, I, I love a lot of point. our develop. Like, you know, yeah. yes, there's tons of open jobs, but there's also tons of people sitting around wishing they could get another job, and have no idea how to find one. Like that's just a whole nother part of the puzzle is, or they're just not willing to move. Like I got roots here. You know, my family's here for five generations. Like, oh, okay. So what move, get a better job. Yeah. The remote, the whole, the, uh, all the quarantine stuff and social distancing is, 
uh, threw a really hard breaking curveball at the job market, which was great for us. It was great for our business because we had a lot of uh, uh, people in the past that had told us, they're like, well, we only want to hire people that are going to be in the same room with us every day. Then suddenly that wasn't possible. So you talk about sales and sales is really my my expertise in the end, sales and marketing. And you know, anytime you're selling, you're usually overcoming some kind of objection. So when our biggest objection suddenly disappeared and was not no longer material, it it it, it changed our dynamic for us because you know, and there's a lot of different reasons. Like some companies learned that they can that oh maybe we can do this, or now all of a sudden that local overpriced market was operating on the same exact playing field as people that were in the Philippines or India or other places. And I would think with gaming, that would be the same thing. Cause it is truly like, you know, no one, I mean, very few people are going to an office to do anything involving gaming. So yeah, I would think that, you know, like I said, there's, there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of stuff you can do there, which by the way, the software industry has the same problem that you mentioned in gaming. A lot of talented people that want to do a lot of stuff, uh, very few know how to market or sell their services, which is once again, that's like back to kind of what we do. So we kind of have this uh, interesting parallel that we operate because we have really, we only employ people that are in the top 10% of our assessments, which means we have to exclude a lot of people finding them. And then that's another thing with the employers is they want to wade through uh, they don't want to deal with interviewing 10 people hoping that one of them is good. I would imagine that some of that exists in the gaming world too, because you've got a hundred million people that want to monetize or make money doing it. I like the idea that you can actually, if you can get people to, you know, the plug and play nature of, of the advertising stuff. But I mean, how, do, how do, how do the, the sponsors and the people that are actually, um, uh, paying for whatever, how do they get through the, the, the muck and the mire when it comes to finding people that, that are talented or up and coming? So when it comes to sponsors, um, it's less about talent and more about, um, viewership. You know, it's their, their advertisers in there and they, they want someone who's gonna be able to market Still them. all about the followers. It's all about okay. the followers. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you have someone who has, 30 followers, but who is a true pro player and is going to go some places, they're most likely never going to get sponsored unless they can start winning tournaments or something. But if you have someone who's kind of a, a junky player, has 300,000 followers, and every day they get 2,000 viewers every time they go live, they're going to get sponsored. That's all about the impressions then. Okay. So as far as like now with your, with what you do, so let's talk a little bit about your business um, what is the, what's the, what's the breadwinning product or service that you're, that you're wrapping your arms around right now that you see helping your business grow? Uh, it's, it's principally coaching. So either one-on-one -on -one coaching or group coaching. Uh, and my focus is on trying to get people out of the mindset that they need to play video games for 12 hours a day and into, they should be doing entrepreneurship for six hours a day, and then maybe they can play games six hours a day. So a lot of them, like I said, they have persistence. They've got the critical thinking. They've got all those skills that make a good entrepreneur because they're used to repeated failure over and over again, and then just figuring out how to make it work. All they have to do is translate that into something that they can turn into some sort of profit. 
So I focus on three core principles, which is producing products and services for sale, because that's that's kind of like the starting place. They don't they don't understand that they have to have something for sale. Like, oh, I'll just sit here and play games. Well, no, you have to have something. Um, my favorite book of all time uh, that really did this this flip for me uh, was T. Harv Eker's Speed Wealth. There's just one sentence that you have to have a product if you want to be a millionaire. Like. Oh, that makes so much sense. Um, and then they have to learn how to promote themselves your product properly. Can, your product can be you. Your product yes, can be product you. Product service, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, like, so every, I mean, anyone in the marketing world knows Gary V, whether you like him or not. But Gary V's product is Gary V. You know, and and that's the thing is 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 he, while they do a lot of different things, like you can embrace yourself as a product. We've done episodes about the personal brand, and everyone talks about it, but it's hard to build. So you know, you can well, have right. a billion views. If you get a billion views, whoop-de-doo, if you have no way of making money off of it. True, true. Which, by the way, is pretty common for a lot of people. I actually, uh, uh, because of this podcast and just because of the things that I do publicly. And, you know, the thing like this podcast is this is essentially my hobby, per se. Um, it's owned by Fullscale. Startup Hustle is owned by Fullscale. Like, and that's, and we use Fullscale's marketing team, everything else. So it's not, now we get a lot of business to Fullscale because of it. Not everyone I know is in that situation. I know people that have, that are very well known that struggle mightily to pull a dollar out of that. So how do you, how do you advise when you're coaching your clients or doing your stuff, how do you get, how do you, how do you teach someone how to monetize themselves or a following? Well, like I say, you know, first they have to have something to sell. If they don't have anything to sell, there's no way to make money. Um, I, I recommend like the book method, write a book. It's, it's real simple. You just do a, a Done it. 90 minute webinar, you transcribe it, have someone on Upwork, you know, rewrite it for you. Right. It costs you a thousand dollars to write a book that way. Uh, now you're an expert in whatever field you want and you do a podcast. You have a, some sort of platform where you're able to generate an audience, get you know interviews going, make yourself look more like that authority. I mean, I start I started my Facebook account in October last year. Like my Facebook's my biggest platform at the moment, and I built my podcast under the auspices that this was going to be a case study of how to do this with nothing. So I invited no friends, no family, nobody that I knew into it. I invested no dollars to start because I wanted to show people you can start with nothing and build something. I just reached out to people on LinkedIn to grow and then figured out Facebook was my platform in March. In March, I had eight people on Facebook. So at the end of next week, so you know, first week of August, I'll have 10,000 followers. And like it's it's not it's not crazy hard to do this and with 10,000 followers, you know, with $10 a day in Facebook ads, I can guarantee at least half of them see everything I put out. So I just have to have an ad, you know, promoted every now and then. So every day I make a few dollars and every now and then I catch one of them as a coaching client. It costs, covers all my coach, my, my ads costs. So let's talk about that for a second. Cause you know, the, and, and by the way, you do have uh, I will confirm because I was just at the page checking it out. So, you know, I think so many people that want to build, uh, let's talk about a following or an audience because I've done it. Um, I've, before we hit record, we were talking about um, one of, one of someone I work with that's out in Vegas, JC Lopez, uh, Urban Necessities. Now Jay has 270,000 YouTube subscribers. We helped him build that channel from zero, uh, two different accounts that are coming up on half a million on Instagram. Um, it takes a while to build that following, but 
Um, I think that you're kind of crazy if you think that you're going to fully now, I appreciate what you did with like the $10 a day, but here's the thing is like, that's, I mean, that's not a whole lot. I, oh, I talk really to people small. a lot. They're like, well, how do you get, how do you get, how do you build it? I'm like, you should, you might want to spend 10, 20 bucks a day and, and test, test, test. Cause I would be willing to bet that you probably tried a couple different things. And then once you find one that works, you're like, oh, cool. Maybe I pump that up a little bit. Maybe I stick with this one. But what was what were some of the things that, you know, another thing, too, is, a, you know, so the Startup Hustle podcast, it, it, we got traction right away. And people ask me, they said, well, did you spend a bunch of money on promo? Well, dude, I didn't spend any. I joined about 100 groups about startups and entrepreneurship. And I published, uh, I made a really cool thumbnail and a link to each of our first five episodes and I sat at like in my living room and systematically posted those to those rooms. And I, and I had a very non-self-serving approach. I said, I would love your feedback on our new podcast about entrepreneurship and startups. And the result was we got listeners all over the world from it. Now, I didn't keep, keep up with that. That got the ball rolling. But I want to hear more about the details of how you move towards uh, you and you're right on the doorstep of 10,000 people following. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes you can. That's a lot. OK, 10,000 people is a lot. So people look at a follower count. And well, uh, they do this on the podcast. So say, well, how many downloads does it get? Okay. And if you say 2000 in 24 hours, they're like, oh, that sounds like a lot. But how do you compare that to something? You say, well, if you were going to, if you had the opportunity to speak in front of 2000 people tomorrow, would that be something that excited you? And they're like, hell yeah, man. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. It's the same thing with someone that has, well, and that the contextual part of that question that I get from people is they'll say, well, I only get 50 downloads per episode. I say, well, if you have the opportunity to speak to 50 people tomorrow about what you do, would you be excited? And they're like, fuck yeah, I would. I'm like, okay, then you're doing great. But yeah, so what's your take on it? Give us more info about that because clearly in your industry and in all these industries, followers, subscribers, downloads, views, it is the currency of what gets you paid. You know, uh, it's really funny because I, um, before I started this this brand, I went and listened to a um, a, a YouTube growth coach uh, give a presentation in front of thirty people, and he was touting how he had twelve how many followers. 000, did he have? Yeah, twelve thousand subscribers <laughs> on YouTube, and he was like big stuff, and like this is, and everybody's like ooh ah, and I'm like, I'm looking at the gaming space because this is when I was really starting like to reach out to people on Twitch, and I'm like, I can't swing a cat without hitting someone with over three hundred thousand followers, so like. 12,000 is nothing. And here I am at like almost 10,000. Like, oh, I'm big stuff. But like in the gaming space, it really isn't. But it is like in the business space, in any other space. It depends it's, who it's, they are. Yeah. Yeah. It depends who they are. Yeah. Um, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> well, I was, I was, and that's okay. I was, I was curious just about like, so look, a lot of people want to do this. And when I say this, I'm bundling everything that we do collectively or that we're talking about from podcasting to YouTube channels to all of that. Like give us a little more of the story about how 10 bucks a day got this fire started. Oh man. Um, I, I was possibly lucky because I started putting in $10 a day right as the Rona was hitting. So everybody got locked down and Facebook ads on page likes went down to like 12 cents per like. 
So, yes, yes. But even now, yes. even today, I, I, actually, I actually turned the dial up on our advertising during that. And at one point was getting uh, the, so you talk about CPM, cost per milla, the average cost that it'll take to give you 1,000 ad impressions. At one point, that was down 75%. I was like, shit, this is on sale. Let's oh, go. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm sitting there like, man, I wish I had more money from this experiment because <laughs> I could have just jumped $10,000, right? I had. I have all my money in my bank account. I could have just made this a big thing, but I really was trying to show you can do this on low dollars and start to grow, get clients, build more money. So I'm up to $65 a day right now. So I started with 10, I'm up to $65 okay. a day. Um, and you know, over a course of a month, that's almost $2,000. So I, um, I would say if you're, you're starting with nothing, you know, don't do what I did. Like, don't start with nothing, have some sort of cash to put into it. Um, but you know, create, my strategy is to create red meat. Find some sort of content that your audience, your niche just goes gaga over. For my niche, it's memes. Gamers love gaming memes. So I put out a gaming meme. I put $5 a day behind it. And if it hits, like I get a ton of shares, a ton of comments, a ton of reactions. Wonderful. Like I'll keep putting money into that. And then I find the reactions on Facebook. I click that little button that says, you know, you have 10,000 reactions. And then next to every single name is a button that says invite. I click that invite yep. button 400 times because you're allowed what, yep. roughly 500 a day. I have my wife do it 400 times. I hire someone to do it 400 times a day. And now I'm growing, you know, 150, 200 people a day. It's, it's not rocket science. Yeah. You know, there's a simple marketing principle that um, I was introduced to a long, long time ago that still works. And so, well, first off, uh, you're in the content creation business. And if you are going to give something, to someone, don't be afraid to ask for something in return. And if you're going to build an audience, like I, for those of you listening, I'd love it if you reach down and click that subscribe button or that fifth star. Another thing that I do need to bring up again, because I got to do my job, is that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. But you know, that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, you can, if you're going to do this organically, like we did to get the, get followers on the podcast, join other groups, find other people, and you got to ask like, so, so everything we, all right. So in your coaching, your coaching program about selling anything, if there isn't a huge emphasis on asking for the sale, then it's flawed. Because the one thing that I can guarantee you, you will help you sell more is just simply asking for the sale. And that's where, that's where everybody blows it because they, for some reason are very extroverted until that point, And then they're afraid to ask. It's because either they don't want, they, they're like afraid they're going to offend someone or whatever. Like who cares if they say no, and there's only two four letter words that matter in sales and that's sold and next. So if you, if you ask for the sale and you're not getting it and you don't really know why you're probably going to be doing yourself a favor by saying next and moving to the next person down the line. So it's the same thing. If you're trying to build a following, you know, ask people to support you. I mean, there's, there's no shame in that. So, okay. So in regards and, and congrats, like, I mean, building a 10,000 uh, follower list and, what you said that's about four months that's about good. four months yeah uh, is is that is that uh is that growth curve picking up does it look like a hockey stick more than anything else now it 
does. Of course, it you know largely depends on the cost of Facebook ads per day. You know, some days it's sure fifty cents a like. Some days it's twenty cents a like. So I mean, it is what yeah. it is. But um, no, you know, back in March I was getting five people a day, and April I was getting thirty people a day, and May and June I was getting sixty and a hundred. Now I'm up to one hundred fifty to two hundred. So yeah, it's it's growing every day or you know roughly every month, um, and it's you know largely money. Like it all comes down to investing dollars into whatever system you're putting out. I mean, I'll admit, if I had a video editor to put together my my content for me, uh, instead of having to do it myself, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not a video editor. I was an attorney and a business coach. Like I'm doing this myself. If you have those resources behind you, you'll grow much faster because sure, sexy sells. Quite honest, like the better it looks, the more it sells. But but you got to do. It. Sometimes you got to do it yourself though, because like I mentioned, like so at full scale, I've got 200 employees. I have 12 full time marketing people. Because I get people that say to me all the time, they're like, dude, you guys publish five episodes a week. You have four different hosts now. You're doing all this. You're doing all that. And you do it. And we do it professionally. Like, you know, I'm, you know, we send our guests marketing materials, guides, all that stuff on how to help promote themselves with our stuff. Dude, there's no way I could do all of that myself. Well, I could, but it would be the only thing that I did. It's a bear. I'll but tell at you. One, <laughs> it, yeah, well, right. But here's the thing. At one point... I mean, dude, I did it all myself. Um, Like, I mean, I'm talking, you know, the recording, the editing, the publishing, all of it, all the way down to making the thumbnail. And then once I realized that we had something that was repeatable and that worked, I, we basically, um, and oftentimes with many days of frustration and error trying to get it right, we have created an assembly line. So you're working towards that. And, but if you're, if you're not willing or wanting to do some of that legwork yourself, then you're, you're living a life of, of illusion in some regards, cause you just got to, you got to roll your sleeves up. So, all right. So with the traffic that you drive to your following is the main point of that to like the, uh, obviously you want to build um, some followers, but the, the main idea there is to then put yourself in front of potential clients or audience for your other services, correct? That is correct. I, I have been upfront from the very beginning that my purpose is to sell my audience. I've let them know that That's I am okay. trying to yeah. sell you to show you how to do this. And the response well, I would I'm think a lot of people want to hear that. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I, mean, I, I have people, people message yeah. me every day asking to be my protege. And I'm like, I, I can only take so many. <laughs> like, I can only well, take but so many on, free but on clients. S- <laughs> that might be, yeah, that, yeah, at the same time, though, that might be how you duplicate your efforts. Because, you know, are, I don't know. Do you happen to be a video editor? Do you have any skills? Because, I mean, we run through that, too. Um, you know, and the thing is, is like I said, if you're going to give something, be prepared to to take it or to ask for something in return because knowledge and experience is valuable. And, you know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, I could do that. I'm like, okay, once, or could you do it every day in a repeatable way? Like there's a big difference between being able with, between the possibility of being able to do it and actually doing it regularly. Um, so, okay, well, I love it. I like the audience and and that's, and that's pretty cool. So, and, and man, I think it's great that you are transparent. Like, Hey, look, I'm, I want to help you be an entrepreneur around gaming. Um, nothing wrong with that. Like, and then here's the thing, if they don't like it, they can go pay attention somewhere else. It's kind of like we give a money back guarantee on this podcast. If you don't, if you're listening and you don't like this podcast, I'll give you your money back. 
because it's free. <laughs> so, right. I, mean, same, I mean, same thing. It's like, that's why I kind of laugh if some people don't like it. I'm like, dude, okay, well, there's a million podcasts out there. I truly and deeply hope that you find one you love. All right. So um, this, these kind of conversations and this stuff always uh, go by very quickly. I appreciate you coming and talking. This Absolutely. is, this is so uh, highly interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think this is cool. And I, and I like, I really like what you're doing because I think that if there's a huge population of people that want to figure out how to monetize something that they're passionate about, I think it's awesome to have people that guide them. Um, I would think that there'd be a huge audience out there as you grow this. Now, uh, as we approach the end of this episode of Startup Hustle, which once again was sponsored by Fullscale.io, go check that out. Uh, while you're while you're looking at Fullscale.io, stop by the gram uh, at Startup Hustle Podcast. Check out some of the stuff we're doing there. Uh, find us on the internet. We're everywhere, people. Everywhere. All right, so we end our episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. As the founder of the Gamerpreneur, I'm going to I'll guide this a little bit. Um, what's what's a couple points of advice you can give to the other gamerpreneurs out there? Um, it's my, my three core pillars. You have to learn how to produce products and services to sell. If you don't have something to sell, you're not going to make any money, but it's not just one thing. You have to keep making stuff because people will keep buying from you. You have to be able to promote yourself in a way that makes you irresistible. A lot of people think if they just go live, they get a following. and That's not true. You have to find a way to get the audience from everywhere possible to come find you. Um, you know, you can build a better mousetrap, but no one's going to come beating away their path to your door unless they know about it. And then you have to learn how to profit off of it, which is simply you know creating the systems and processes that allow you to make those sales without having to be a door-to-door salesman, you know, uh, sales funnels, ads. Well, well said. Um, and I, I'll parlay off that. You know, if you want to, and I, I'm not going to pretend to be a gamerpreneur. I, I, the stuff that I know about the space is from our guests, but it's you know the same everything that. It, all, all in your industry have told me it, it's, it's the exact same thing as content creators. And as a content creator, you have to provide some kind of value and value can be teaching someone something. It can also be entertaining. Um, you know, like maybe you entertain them, maybe you teach them, um, something like that. Uh, you have to be very selfless and transparent about that and be authentic. Um, you know, people, you can only fake it for so long oh, that, before that's so, the jig is so up true. and you're done. Once, once yeah. that, that shell yeah. cracks, they see you for who you are, they're done with you. Yeah, yeah. And that's been, the, you know, when we went to start the Startup Hustle podcast, we said the last thing that people wanted to hear about was a story about uh, about two middle-aged white dudes from the suburbs that did well. Like that wasn't a very compelling storyline. So, so much about many of our episodes, like our second episode's titled Getting Funded Sucks. Cause it does, sure it does. you know, we're like, <laughs> well, that's the thing is Hollywood doesn't give you the real view of what being an entrepreneur is like. And, you know, the same thing with, with the gamerpreneur scene, like, Hey folks, it's going to be hard. There's a lot of people that are out there wanting to do what you say you want to do. They're either going to win cause they're better or they do something a little different. Like if you don't differentiate yourself in any form of marketing or branding, you're just one of many. So that's right. With that, I'm all fired up, man. It's a numbers game. You just got to head on. Yo, true, true, true. And you know, now I'm all fired up. So um, even though you told me that my, 
my wits and my reflexes might be too slow. I'm going to go on past that. Um, I, maybe I'll be the geezerpreneur and, there you uh, go. <laughs> and, and, and I, I'm going to, you can coach me on my new vertical, which is teaching the over 50 crowd, how to be a gamer so they can actually oh, communicate. No, that's still a demographic. <laughs> no, no, your generation, <laughs> like a ton of them come at me. They're like, Hey, we're so happy that you're, you know, you know, telling people about our generation. I'm like, how old do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I get it. It's funny. I've been joking because with the 45, I, I slid myself into the 45 to 54 demographic. And I was like, I didn't even realize that was a thing until I had to fill out a form. And I was like, oh, my, oh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a mere nine years away from standing in my yard and shaking my fist at children that are riding their bikes through my grass. So anyway, man, I'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.